Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Oh, welcome back to the Spiro Avenue Show. We're really hot lately. This is the second show in three nights, and we're going to have a third and five nights in two nights. So we're we're kind of cooking over here. My producer bills are getting really high, and the electrical bills shooting through the roof. But we're getting there. We have a great one tonight. We're going to get to our guest shortly. It's one of my favorite guests we've ever had, the top journalist in the state, Chad Livingood. But first, I want to get into uh, a couple of things. We have a wonderful new sponsor for tonight's show. We're honored to have them. I just want to ask everyone out there, does a year of COVID restrictions have you down? And do you miss the communal experience of whining and dining with friends? Well, get yourself to my favorite college bar. If it's good enough for the governor, it's good enough for you. It's the Land Shark in East Lansing. Even the leaders in Lansing know the Landshark is the best place to gather with large groups of friends. So call up your whole crew, push some tables together, and let the good times fly. We all know about their famous shark bowls, but wait until you see that revamped bar menu. And this is a really cool thing. The Landshark now, as of January, is owned by this group called the 214 Group. And these guys all lived together back in the early 90s at 214 Charles Street in East Lansing. Kind of cool. Honestly, I can't think of a cooler thing than going back to my alma mater and purchasing an iconic bar that was there when I attended. I mean, it's like the ultimate flex in college to come back. I, I think I'd rather do that than be Matt Ishby and be a billionaire. I mean, I guess if I'm Matt Ishby, I could buy it, right? But it's the coolest thing. These guys are great. It is under new ownership as of a few months ago. They're awesome. Check them out. Loved them before. Everything's remodeled, revamped. It's wonderful. That is the Landshark MSU. Check them out today. So uh, this is going to be an interesting one. We have a lot going on in the state of Michigan. Uh, but, you know, every, every state everywhere has a lot going on. We have a lot going on in particular with our person in position of leadership. And we're going to get to that in a second. I'm going to introduce my guests in a few moments, but I want to start with a separate new different introduction to sort of set this up. It's this gentleman by the name of Jonathan L. Bernstein. This is a really interesting guy. You can look him up yourself on your own time, too. But we'll give you, I guess, sort of a brief overview. This guy was a U.S. veteran with background in military intelligence operations. He's got 39 years of experience advising large corporations and government agencies. He's the publisher of Crisis Manager. He has subscribers in 75 countries. He's the author of Manager's Guide to Crisis Management. So you could say he literally wrote the book on crisis management. PR Magazine has labeled this guy the person to have on speed dial in a time of crisis, and Business Week calls this guy the master of disaster. He is the go-to guy if anything's going wrong. Arguably one of the best in the world, has clients all over the globe, governments, agencies, etc. So he's got these three sort of bullet points. I mean, he's published, he's got textbooks all over, he's got a newsletter he does every week. He, he's he's a he's a top guy. He's the guru. But he's got three points that it's like, you know what, if you're spending five minutes getting into my work, this is what you should look at. So let's bring those to bear here and give you an idea of what we're dealing with. So any situation where you're in crisis and you're in a position of leadership, these are the Jonathan L. Bernstein's three biggest must-dos in terms of crisis management. First, 
He says, talk first, talk early. You want to take control of the narrative as fast as possible. Do not let social media or traditional media be the first to tell your story. You must be the first to share your story, even the bad parts. Number two, concentrate your communication. Create a single hub containing all pertinent information surrounding an unflattering story or crisis and funnel all further inquiries to this hub. And last but not least, number three, make it easy for the media. Obstruction breeds skepticism and resentment. Anticipate in advance what information the media will want. And, key point, make it readily available as fast as possible. So that is Jonathan L. Bernstein. On one page, the three biggest points. He's got all sorts of other stuff he can throw up there. He's, he's, he's got all the science and the data, but here's the five-minute bus stop waiting period. One, two, three to do. The governor here in Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, could have used a phone call with Jonathan L. Bernstein a few months ago and every day since in March. A phone call would have been great. Uh, reading the textbook would have been great. Reading the one-page little graphic I threw up there would have been great. It would have been uh, more helpful than anything we've seen manifest itself in the time prior, uh, time subsequent to this, because it has been uh, the biggest deviation from standard principles and accepted practices for dealing with this kind of a situation. And we're going to get to that situation in great detail right now. But just one more word on Jonathan Bernstein. Jonathan L. Bernstein He's not only an expert in corporate catastrophe and oil spills. He can handle government. He can handle a local landscaping company with an issue in the press locally. His bread and butter is shrinking the lifespan of any bad story, whatever it is. Not every crisis is equal. Not every crisis is an oil spill. Maybe you said something stupid and someone got it on video. There's all sorts of crises, but the basic goal of him, his company, his agency is to shrink the timeline. Minimize the damage, shrink that timeline that the damage is resonating. If you're calling Bernstein, you already have an issue on your hands. He, he's not risk prevention. It's mitigation. It's PR mitigation. That's why you call Jonathan L. Bernstein. And people like Bernstein, they are experts in minimizing the damage and allowing their clients to move past this situation, whatever it may be, as quickly as possible. And from the time Gretchen Whitmer, governor of the state of Michigan, got on a plane to Florida back in March. She has effectively managed to ignore virtually every established practice of effective crisis management. The most wicked, bully, Roger Stone times 10 GOP oppo research firm couldn't dig up the kind of dirt this governor has delivered to her opponents on a silver platter. Handed it to him. Couldn't have made it possibly any easier. And this is still ongoing. We are talking, I, I mean, maybe. It, Maybe I have to be very specific because there's a couple of reasons uh, you could go down this path with, with this leadership. But let's stay with the big one that's still in the news right now. And the fact that it's still in the news months after the fact is really sort of the point in why we're here. This plane incident, this flight to Florida in March from Michigan that no one knew about until it broke in the news. Wonderful. Wonderful. So we're going to go through the timeline. It's a lot. And look, for the record, fact checkers out there. I'm not saying I have every single bullet point in there. There's, there's, there's steps that I skipped, but you know, eventually I have to throw it to our guest who's esteemed and wonderful and, and kind and generous with his time. So let's start with the timeline. I'm going to try to rip through it. We'll rip go. Yeah, let's go, Ben. Let's, let's go. I'm ready. Because this is, this is a long story that we had to cut down. 
So let's take you back to March 12th of this year. Everything's this year. 7.27 a.m., Gretchen Whitmer flies in a private jet to West Palm Beach, Florida, to visit her father. She is not vaccinated at this time. The public is not informed about this flight plan. No one knows that she's there or that she left. March 15th, three days later, White returns at 4.37 p.m. She leaves Florida, comes back home to Michigan. Let's move on. Now we're at April 5th. The Michigan Department of Health and Human Services issues an advisory urging residents not to travel. That's Gretchen Whitmer's leadership in that department. That's her department saying don't travel. At that exact time, when that is released, the department director Elizabeth Hurdle was vacationing on the Gulf Coast in Alabama at the, the same day. Gretchen Whitmer's chief operating officer, Trisha Foster, had just recently returned from her own vacation in Florida. Major issues there. There's three and one bullet point issues on that one. So that's that one. Let's move to April 6th. This is one day later. Piggybacking on the prior one, Governor Whitmer backs her agency, backs her department that's under her leadership. Governor Whitmer publicly urges citizens not to travel and singles out Florida spring break trips specifically as particularly problematic in the wake of ongoing COVID concerns. Fast forward to April 19th, and here's where it gets really fun. The story breaks. MERSnews.com breaks the story that Governor Whitmer had traveled to Florida a month ago to visit her father. Details murky at best, and we're going to see him come out bit by bit. But now, it's, it's over a month later since that flight took place. Story's out, and here comes the avalanche. Still on April 19th, shortly after. The Whitmer office responds. Whitmer Press Secretary Bobby Letty addresses the reports in the media. He states that the trip to Florida was two days long. Remember, it was actually three. And that the governor made the trip to Florida when Michigan's daily positivity rates were in the low single digits. Luckily, this is verifiable. In fact, Michigan's rates hadn't been that low and hadn't been that low since February. They were actually above 10% at that time. Good for, dead last, in the country. So their risk uh, mitigation right out of the gate is blatant falsehoods. When Whitmer's office was asked for the dates the governor had traveled to Florida, who was on the plane, who paid for it, they refused to disclose any details, citing security concerns. Security concerns that somehow in a world that five, six weeks after the fact, that makes sense. It makes none. What security concern is presented by sharing details of a flight I took six weeks ago? What are they going to do? Hop in the DeLorean and blow the plane up? Makes no sense. Someone can explain it to me how that makes any sense, but I haven't heard any reasonable explanation yet. Let's keep moving. This is May 8th. Gretchen Whitmer refuses questions as to how the flight was paid for. Refuses. And repeated that the trip was, quote, two full days or less. Again, it was three. It was not two full days or less. It was three. It was over 72 hours long. We can all do math. Over 72 hours long is technically over three days long. So this has been said by her uh, press secretary, and this has been said by her. Blatant falsehood, and they would know their itinerary, especially with two weeks to figure out what they're going to respond and how they're going to respond to this. Let's move on. May 14th, scrutiny's growing. 
So it's amid growing scrutiny, Whitmer's office finally reveals a nonprofit corporation paid most of that $27,000 plus cost of her flight to Florida. And now we get the fifth cook in this kitchen. Whitmer Chief of Staff Joanne Holes cites the, quote, extraordinary and ongoing threats to the life and safety of the governor when explaining the prior lack of transparency. Not making it clear how transparency regarding a flight that occurred a month earlier would present any danger to anybody. And I'll ask this, if sharing the details of this flight a month later was so dangerous that they had to hide it then, how is it safe to share it now? If you're endangering her, you should go down with that ship. Look, I'm not going to endanger the governor. It's too dangerous. If there's a legitimate security concern, you wouldn't give up the pooch just to appease the media. If you think Gretchen Whitmer might die as a result, as a result. so I mean, it's nonsense. And, and any fair minded person knows it's nonsense. So this, this, she goes on, Joanne Holes. <laughs> this is unbelievable. She repeats that the governor flew when Michigan had some of the lowest COVID rates in the country. Again, Michigan was dead last in the country at that time. She states that the trip was done in full compliance with all laws, all laws and COVID regulations. Let's get to May 17th, because it didn't take that long to fall, <laughs> very long to fall apart. So we're just three days later. The Department of Health and Human Services states that the governor's trip did, in fact, not follow their guidelines. That's her department, by the way. That's not, that's not some uh, right-wing hit, hit job. Her own department said that the governor ignored the guideline to self-quarantine for seven days upon returning home from travel. She gets back. No one knew about this trip. Three days later, not seven, three days later, she's in public encouraging vaccination on March 18th. Well short of that seven-day quarantine period, she's at Ford Field uh, amongst other citizens. It wasn't the recommendation is seven days and it was six and a half. It wasn't even, she, she more than cut it in half, the guideline. This is something that she did, by the way, this was revealed after she had just said, or her staff had just said, that she was fully compliant with all the guidelines. That's another inconsistency and another, at, at best, falsehood. I mean, if you don't want to be a cynic and call it a lie, whatever. But I mean. It, it, it's something they said that's demonstrably wrong. Three days ain't seven. And they've admitted the timeline now, begrudgingly. Anyway, moving on, May 18th. This keeps getting better. Now the FAA, the FAA is involved in this. The Federal Aviation Whatever Whatever announces the investigation into a Whitmer flight. They're coming out and they're saying that now they're investigating her, or investigating the company, really, based on this uh, unlicensed charter flight that the plane was not authorized or licensed to fly a charter flight, which they had done. So, uh, you know, it, right there, it's another issue. It's the drip, drip, drip drain here. Let's move on, May 27th. And I promise I'm wrapping up my part, and then I'm going to get to the guy that knows a lot more about this stuff. May 27th, Governor Whitmer re-election campaign reveals that her daughters had been on the return flight from Florida. A previously undisclosed detail. Remember this? This story came out like over a month ago. Now it's coming out that the daughters were on there. This is inconsistent again with her original account that no gifts were accepted on the basis that she had paid for her single ticket. Again, she was accused of impropriety, uh, potentially accused of accepting a gift, maybe. And her response was, no, 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 no. I paid 800 and some dollars for my ticket. I'm good. If that's your defense, you can't then have it come out that your daughters were also on the plane. That, that, 
personal use of the plane. Hey, you didn't pay for them. You didn't say they were on the plane. You said because you paid for your single ticket. That was her words, not mine. I didn't say that. So it makes no sense. Another inconsistency. There's been no prior mention of the daughters being on this plane. No mention of Whitmer reimbursing the nonprofit corporation for their plane tickets. So where was that? I mean, Whitmer's campaign stated that it's going to foot the bill for the whole flight now. And Whitmer will now also reimburse the tickets for her daughter as well. Which is, if it was the right thing to do now, why wasn't it the right thing to do any time in the weeks prior? Again, doesn't make any sense. So let's bring it back to Jonathan L. Bernstein. <laughs> I mean, you could tell me because, look, let's get it out of the way right now. I voted for Gretchen Whitmer. Voted for Joe Biden. You're not talking to Alex Jones right now. If I'm in your living room, in your car, wherever you're, you're watching or listening, you're not, you're not talking to some right-wing uh, hack. This is just objective fact. And none of these things are in dispute as far as I know. Maybe Chad will, will chime in shortly. But let's just revisit Jonathan L. Bernstein, right? How did Gretchen Whitmer do on the three-point scale here, on the three bullet points? Talk first, talk early. You tell me how that went. How do you think talk first, talk early went? The governor didn't tell anybody about this trip. And when it was reported by a news agency, she refused comment. So we don't have to get into all that now, but uh, that's, that's 0 for 1. Point number two, concentrate your communication. Have a single centralized source of information. Oh, we heard from at least five. The governor herself, the governor's re-election campaign representative, the governor's re-election campaign attorney, the governor's chief of staff, the governor's press secretary, the Michigan State Police Department chimed in on this when they couldn't get answers from the governor. Everybody but the Whitmer family pet has chimed in on her side at this point. I don't know who else there is to ask. So concentrate your communication. I, I, I mean, if it's supposed to be one source, maybe I'll give you two. You don't get six, seven, or eight people telling me different versions of the story. It's, it's, it's preposterous. So that's over two. And finally, make it easy for the media. Point number three. The governor has no comment to this story to death. And even when the facts were revealed, it was begrudgingly after bad press had revealed half, three quarters, or 100%. So the few times that things actually have come out, it's when she's over a barrel. It wasn't in the spirit of transparency. So, I mean, in summary, this has been a complete failure of communications and PR management. This team is 0 for 3 on the core principles of managing a crisis, according to the foremost expert in the field. And, and what really shocks me is they have had months, not days, not weeks, months, to say, okay, we're going to pivot toward transparency. This is the sixth time in a row that hiding something and not coming forward of our own volition has bit us. The biggest complaint about us is not anything we're doing, but what we're hiding. They still, even now, sitting here right now, have not made a pivot towards transparency. It's still weak, drip, 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 drip. And it's somebody else uh, with a wrench loosening that faucet to make it drip in the first place. It's not them. They're not even uh, the cause of the drip. It's third-party sources. It's Chad Livengood. It's MERS.com. Charlie LaDuff. Not them. So in, in a botching of this degree on something that's so simple, so easy, so basic to get right, 
it honestly ought to shake the confidence of any fair-minded person assessing this administration. Because this wasn't that hard. This was easy to get right in the first place. It was very easy to correct once it went off course. It was even easier than that once it ran into the wall. Take the hit. It's a bad three to five day news cycle because you blew it up, uh, upstream. Then move on. They still, even now, have not figured it out. And if you couldn't figure this out, this is a two piece puzzle. This ain't art. If you can't figure this out, how am I supposed to feel about your, your ability to run anything? I was a Whitmer voter. I, I'm wondering what I was thinking. I, I just, I, I, what am I supposed to do? This couldn't have been more easy to get right, and they didn't. So I, look, that, that's that. I, it's, I don't know how anyone objective. I, I have liberals in my social circle, quite a few, actually. It's almost 50-50. I don't know even any of these people that are defending this stuff. It's objectively poorly handled. So. That's the most you're going to hear from me tonight, because I'm going to have a sip of water and hand it over to the guy that's 100 times smarter, 100 times uh, better at this stuff, certainly. But it, it, it's shocking for me. I'm curious what he thinks. He's Chad Livengood. He's senior editor for Crane's Detroit Business. I promised him I was going to get my uh, rant out of the way, and then Ford's going to be his. Welcome, Chad, back to your third appearance, I believe, on the Spiro Avenue Show. That's correct. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Look, you've been... Uh, all over this, like always, you've been awesome. You and a few others, we mentioned a couple of them. Look, at the end of the day, what I admire about you is you are the ultimate fair guy. And we talked about it the last time you were in. I have no idea if you're a liberal or a conservative, if I'm just reading you. I mean, I don't even know if you're friends. No, you're just, you're fair. That's sort of your, your thing. So, I mean, you tell me, you heard, you, you've covered the story. You know what's going on better than anybody, probably. What do you make of this? I mean, am I way off base? Because we can debate the ethics later. But in terms of the crisis management strategy and the communication, has this not been a total calamity at this point? I mean, the plane has left the runway on this one, uh, for lack of a better analogy. Um, and and it is harder to think of a of a worse way it could have been handled um, from from the start and throughout the the process of it. Um, I mean, I've never seen. Um, so let's just back up a little bit. The twenty seven thousand dollar cost. Um, that initially they said was not a gift and everything was done within the law it was paid for by this nonprofit, which is um, governors and um, politicians of all stripes get to set up these little nonprofit organizations that can take money from donors, unlimited amounts. Um, and it's, and it's, there's very little transparency. It's separate from the campaign finance act. Um, it's not part of your leadership pack. It's not part of your campaign fi- uh, campaign committee. It is a separate little fund, and for all intents and purposes, they it is a slush fund. Um, I mean, in in Lansing parlance, that is how people treat it. Um, it is uh, been documented over the t- over the years. Uh, legislators use these things to buy tickets to U of M football games, um, the, uh, rent vehicles for, for travel, uh, reimburse themselves, pay for extra things that come up that maybe their office budget doesn't pay for. Uh, and so governors uh, have done this in recent history. Um, Rick Snyder had what was called the Nerd Fund, uh, very infamous. Um, uh, and, and it was, uh, what was that stand for? Um, New energy reinventing, I don't know, something. It was nerdy. It was Snyder. And, but initially they were using it for 
um, some consultants, some some additional travel, and then they sort of uh, infamously used it to pay for his top aide, Rich Baird's salary. Uh, they were paying him $130,000 a year as a private contractor. Really rare, weird thing. I wrote extensively about that when I was at the Detroit News, and uh, it, it became the subject of some lawsuits, and I had to camp out in Mason, Michigan for like several Wednesdays in a row to basically track this lawsuit that was going on over, over the nerd fund. I say this because um, uh, this, the previous governor went, went through a whole lot of like his own crisis with one of these uh, slush funds. And and so then this governor comes along and they say, um, out after weeks of sort of um, um, obfuscation, uh, they say, hey, we, we're gonna, we paid for it through this fund, this $27,000, and it's all good, it's legal. The governor's chief of staff, you know, as you quoted her directly, said this was done within the law. And within a week or two, um, they they changed how they were going to pay for it because um, a Republican uh, group came out and, and 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 filed a complaint with the IRS saying you can't use social welfare nonprofits to pay for your own personal travel on a on a on a luxury charter jet um, uh, to and from Florida. Um, never mind all the circumstances. Uh, just put aside for a second the circumstances the governor has faced extreme death threats. Uh, there was a, a, a very sophisticated plot to kill her and kidnap and kill her by uh, what we can only describe as men who are just, would be described as domestic terrorists. Put that aside for one second and just look at the, 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 the circumstances. There is a state plane. She can ride the state plane to Florida. They can take her to Florida. They've taken her to D.C. They take they've take governors all the time for personal use. Um, in in some capacities, yes. If if it was necessary for for the uh, for her safety, um, there's a good argument to be made that that would be that would be um, useful. I mean, we don't know all the exact um, details of of her father uh, Dick Whitmer's um, uh, medical conditions, but um, he's he's said to be in failing health. So. Um, there could have been some 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 consideration to that you can also actually just hire a regular old charter. You don't have to call up um, a businessman in Detroit and say, "Hey, can I use your plane?" Uh, which is what happened here. Okay, that's that's what's kind of gotten got lost is is Joanne Holes or someone close to Joanne called um, uh, Jim Nicholson, the chairman of uh, PVS Chemicals, uh, and said, "Can we use your plane?" Now they haven't even. It's been the. This is one of the things that they've obfuscated about. They haven't even really said who actually said this. Joanne kind of said she arranged it in her memo, but then they came out with like weird, different, varying statements between a spokesman for the uh, campaign um, committee for, for the governor and, and an attorney for the campaign committee who was also an attorney for the slush fund, um, and 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 who who had had they had competing uh, statements about. Who actually made the call? They haven't even they haven't even coughed up that piece of information yet. Um, but here's my working theory: Joanne Holes used to be chief of staff uh, to the Chemical Bank Chairman Gary Torgo. Uh, Gary Torgo is a very very influential, connected businessman. Um, it is not a stretch that Gary Torgo might have been involved here in some fashion. 
uh, where uh, he might have made a call to Jim Nichols, uh, Nicholson, uh, who, who then connected uh, uh, his son, David Nicholson, the president of the company, with Joanne Holes. They made a deal. They, they, got, they arranged this thing. I mean, this, this contact was made on a Monday, and, and, and Governor Whitmer was getting picked up at the Lansing uh, Capitol Airport on a Friday. Um, and so it was a pretty quickly put-together trip. So back to the slush fund. Uh, after the um, initial um, reporting and, and, and disclosure that, hey, this fund is paying for it, then the then IRS complaint was filed against him. And then obviously we had the FAA say um, this company was not authorized to do a paid charter. They don't have the license to do that. Um, which that was where it really, really started to kind of um, the wheels started coming off the plane on on this one because um, then it was clear that probably from the start, this is my working theory. Probably from the start, this was really supposed to be a gift, just a hey, um, can we use your plane? Yeah, here it is. Uh, and I don't know how this works, where you can just actually call up like you know millionaires and ask to use their plane, and they and they send it over, and they pick you up, and then they take you up to the city of your destination, and then they come back. I mean, they they flew that thing back to to Michigan, and then came back again. Um, and they've since actually scrubbed themselves from the uh, from the public data, so we can't figure out where else they flew or who else they might have flown over the years, because it sounds like this was kind of a known thing that you could call up the Nicholson's and use their plane every once in a while. So, um, but what, what, what is sort of is the most astonishing part here is, is after they got called on like the simple thing of you can't use, or how can you possibly use um, a nonprofit organization to pay for a personal use? Um, suddenly they, they decided, Hey, we're going to, shift the cost over to the campaign. So they'd, they'd gone through all the trouble of actually posting these reports online. They were just simply like a Word document with a couple lines saying, Gretchen Whitmer paid, uh, donated $800 to the um, tr- uh, 2019 transition. I forget what they call this little fund, but it, it, it's just, it, like I said, it's just a, like one of these administrative accounts. They are known as slush funds in Lansing. And... Um, and then there was this this line item for we paid twenty seven thousand two hundred fifty one dollars to Air Eagle, which is the uh, company that owns this Gulfstream uh, that is co owned by the Nicholson family, the Maroon family, and the Cotton family. I think what happened here was they took this plane flight, all was well, came back, no, and, and didn't not, didn't think they had to, had to do anything about disclosing it. And then it got, and then it leaked out that she went somewhere. And then Charlie Ledoff broke that there was, they broke the story that in Deadline Detroit that there was, um, a, a, the plane was owned by some Metro Detroit businessmen. And then me and others found out like the next day that this was the Nicholsons were one of the people and didn't take but very long to find out that, that the Maroons and the Cottons. These are all, by namely, uh, uh, they're all Republican donors, major, mega Republican donors. Um, so, you know, really odd thing that they would just like loan out the, the plane to the Democratic governor. Well, the Cottons came out real quickly. John Cotton came out and called me and said, we had no idea this plane was being used by the governor at the time. Now, this is the way these things kind of work. It's like a timeshare, basically, like, um, you know, three, you know, billionaire families basically <laughs> own a plane together. And uh, and each person has certain days a week or, or the month that, that this plane is for their use. And so they don't have to tell the other partners 
um, when they're using it, how they're using it, who they're sending on on the plane. Um, so uh, when this came out, I don't think the governor's office knew um, that this plane was co-owned by the Maroon family in particular. Uh, and this is where it gets really sticky. Um, the Matthew Maroon, uh, the son of the late Maddie Maroon, and um, their Detroit River, um, uh, Detroit International Bridge Company that runs the Ambassador Bridge, they have a major application right now before Gretchen Whitmer's transportation department uh, for allowing the use of hazmat trucks to cross the Ambassador Bridge. Very controversial subject. Uh, Rashida Tlaib, the congresswoman, and several of the Southwest Detroit politicians are vehemently opposed to this. And the governor has is, is got a big decision to make because she's getting basically green light from all the city services and city departments. And like Warren Evans and a whole bunch of other politicians are behind this, are in, in favor of it. So, um, so, so there's no way in God's green earth that, that Matt Maroon would have ever agreed to go along with, hey, yeah, go ahead, governor, use my plane. Um, he, and so I think when they found out that who also owns this, they had to shift it from an original intent of a favor, a gift, uh, which, which governors can take. Okay? The previous governor used to, used to fly on one of his best friend's planes every once in a while uh, on vacation and such. So um, this, is, this would not be totally unusual. But once they figured that out, uh, they could not count it as a gift because they have to count it as a gift from the Maroons and the Cottons. And the partners in this deal were not going to go along with that um, because they all got various interests in front of the government. Um, PBS Chemicals itself is a regulated company and, uh, and, and the Cottons, which formerly owned Meridian Health, they're out of that um, Medicaid uh, business, but they're on to other things. And so <laughs> they, do, they do not want to have to have to have to have this sort of attachment of a gift to the governor to them. So then they shift to this, hey, we'll just pay for it. And so we go to the we go to the, the slush fund and then and then and then um, when they get called on it. They shift it over to the campaign. Um, I've never seen a situation where we change slush funds um, in how we pay for something. Uh, it's really kind of a remarkable um, uh, maneuver uh, in, in campaign finance and, and money shifting. And I think it really calls a lot of attention to, to, these, to these nonprofits and how they're used and and whether we need some really serious more you know more transparency then like now this this organization does disclose its its spending or at least well this is a funny thing there this website existed and um and then they had this like sunshine section added to the website well if you put the sunshine section URL into the into the internet archive uh the wayback machine which i think is like one of the greatest inventions of of uh, modern era um it doesn't. It doesn't exist. It shows up on the day that in in May that they suddenly posted this, um, and there's 27 months of disclosures that you can't find a, a, an internet archive record of, but they suddenly magically appear on one day in uh, on a Friday when they dump this story uh, at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. I mean, it was uh, I mean, it was classic Friday afternoon news dump. But all of a sudden, there's a paper trail for this whole organization that nobody in Lansing even actually really knew existed. There's so much there. I mean, right at the top, you said 
oh, you know, a lot of governors, a lot of politicians, slush funds are very common and typical, and they're not particularly uh, jarring to the senses. Even if they're wrong, they're so ubiquitous that, you know, whatever, you could have it in the news every day. I agree. You're right. But the distinction with this one is that this is a governor who railed against the lack of transparency and, and corruption, arguably, at worst, uh, incompetence, bumbling, and lack of communication at best with the prior administration. This is a, a governor that specifically, before the story was revealed, was telling people not to go to Florida. Now, it wasn't an order that power had already been stripped, but it, it's the hypocrisy as much as anything else, where it's, you know, uh, Snyder's corrupt, Snyder's not transparent. Okay, what are we doing with here? Don't go to Florida. What are we dealing with here? You know, and another point, you said accurately that they're changing the story of how, or not even the story, they're changing how an effect is being paid for. But at the top, they said they had done nothing wrong in regards to the expense. So if nothing wrong was done, why are they changing it? No, that's, that's the big, that's a big question there. Yeah. Well, it's rhetorical. It's a rhetorical question because the answer is obvious. If, if everything was as pure as the driven snow, with the expense of this, you wouldn't change it. You, sure. would, you would ride the original payment method. Here's all the reasons why it was the right thing to do. I told you I didn't do anything wrong. Come get me. Changing it says a lot. Changing it speaks volumes about what they're doing with it. I, I just, this whole thing, and again, like even, even the small details, repeatedly, the governor herself, her spokespeople, two days or less. It was three. I mean, it, is that not three nights, four days? I mean, I, okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, they said repeatedly, this wasn't one person uh, that got the, the day wrong. This was, yeah. they sat in a room because you don't, the governor didn't just happen to use the same exact terminology as her staff speaking on her behalf on a different day. They used the exact same phrase. The trip was two days or less. The quotes are out there and two people, two separate days. Don't say the same exact sentence verbatim unless they were sitting in a room and that was a decided upon time frame because it wasn't the real time frame. These are the facts and they're not in dispute. So, I mean, you're, there's so much, and that's sort of the point I, I had said at the open, I cut half of the stuff I wanted to talk about because I knew you would and you, you're more well-versed in it than I am, but it's just, there's so much there. The GOP, even I just came out, what, yesterday? that they're uh, proceeding forward with a, a formal complaint on this. I want you to fill me in on that. But like the, the payment, that's still unresolved, right? Isn't that still in question as to whether a violation occurred there? Well, uh, that IRS complaint hasn't gone away. The thing about the IRS complaint is that it, uh, they never get penalized. Um, and they hardly ever even get investigated anymore. Um, the IRS doesn't have the capacity for these kind of things. Um, and it's, this isn't, this isn't, um, you know, uh, a massive, huge, you know, uh, expenditure or massive, huge fund. I mean, there's never more been more than $2 million into this fund over the, over the time. Basically it started in, in March of 2019 with about a $1.3 million transfer from the, uh, inauguration committee. It was money left over from the governor's inauguration, which is all funded by, by private donors. Um, I mean, this is part of the of the game in Lansing that uh, when a new governor comes in, okay, we're Comcast. We're going to write a $50,000 check to um, the governor's uh, 
transition committee and a fifty thousand dollar check to the um, uh, the governor's uh, inauguration, uh, and it's just kind of a it's just seen as a point of access um, that uh, if you are a major corporation or or big time donor and you want to or or major association and you want to have a good relationship on a good start, you write checks to the governor's various. Uh, uh, committees that that you know put put on the uh, the the inauguration or also fund the transition, partly because we don't fund transitions with taxpayer money very well. I mean that's 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 one of the real issues that that isn't even being being discussed here. But basically, you know, the transitions are tough. There's a lot of work that goes into that, and um, so they set up these separate funds to help pay for the staff and and who are coming off the campaign and they're. And they're kind of in, or they bring in people kind of as advisors and, you know, and staying up a government is, is expensive and we don't seem to fund it very well. Um, but that's a, that's a different subject for a different day. Um, at the end of the day, uh, they just have just been a moving target. And, and every time uh, they've tried to just give just a little bit of information, um, something else comes out. And I think that FAA thing really threw through them for a loop. Um, and 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 ever since then, Air Eagle, the joint venture of the Maroon Cotton and Nicholson families, they've gone kind of underground. Um, they've they've uh, they, as I mentioned earlier, you can't go to flightaware.com and find and, and run their tail number on the plane anymore and getting information on where that plane went. Um, they just they just they totally scrubbed and took their information offline. Because um, that was the that that was the that was the information as you noted the exact plane flight times that were how that helped kind of break this story open, um, and then they um, but yeah I mean it's been really kind of a remarkable um, uh, maneuver you know my my friend uh, and colleague uh, Zach Gorchow, the uh, editor and publisher of of Gong War News Service he wrote a column that kind of said hey look. The governor went on this plane flight, uh, March this trip, March twelfth to fifteenth. She had a press conference on the sixteenth, uh, right, right when she came back. She had this another another COVID nineteen press conference update, and and he kind of laid out like a scenario of what would have happened if if she had just said, "Hey, you know, yeah, I over the weekend, my father is not in well uh, good health, uh, and my daughters were down there and uh, staying with grandpa, and I t- and I." I used uh, I used uh, uh, the Nicholson family's plane to go down in Florida and um, and see to my, see to my father and retrieve my daughters and bring them back and uh, this was a safe and secure better safe and secure way to do this. But given the fact that you know some 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 guys who you know out in Waterloo wanted to kill me, uh, I mean, um, and if you don't know where Waterloo is, look it up on a map. But that's basically where those where those, where those militia guys were, were were running around in the in the woods. I think Munich is actually the more exact place, but I'm a Chelsea guy, and so Waterloo and Munich kind of are the same thing. Um, but um, uh, at any rate, so I mean, if the governor had just done that uh, from the start. Um, that would have been a one day story. And I'll be honest. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, Justin, that would have been a shoulder shrug emoji, uh, tweet. I mean, I mean, to me, I'd be like, mm, yeah, whatever. Um, I mean, big deal. Um, but, the, but the fact that they just, they, they weren't upfront about it to begin with. And then it took like scalpels to get information out of them. And it, and it only uh, got, you know, busted loose because um, because of a couple, you know, some reporters have kind of put together some of the um, piece together, some of the puzzle here and just asked a lot of, you know, tough questions about this. And, and just, you know, what, <laughs> where did this come from? 
and just, I mean, it's basic who, what, where, and what. I mean, uh, how did you get paid for? I mean, uh, these kind of planes are not cheap to run. Um, so it's just the idea that, that the governor just kind of went down there and, 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 and came back and, and that was it. You know, that's, that's just not going to fly. Uh, I, and let me sure. ask, what, let me make one point also is um, I'm also of the camp that, you know, the governor, the governor's uh, entitled to some secrecy as far for her security. Um, we don't need to know when and where she's leaving the state. Some, I've been, I got a lot of pushback on Twitter from, from a lot of progressives who said, you know, you know, the governor was threatened to live her life. Well, of course she was. I know that I'm not, but this was like, again, as you made your point in earlier in the intro, this is weeks after the fact. Um, I think we, we as a public should know when the governor has left the state. Um, and, uh, in particular, so we know who's in charge. Um, this is sort of a principal thing here. And I, I, I made this argument, you know, I'd find out when Rick Snyder, I, I hated it when I found out Rick Snyder was out of the state all of a sudden. Um, and we'd find out sometimes when like the governor's office would put a press release out, Brian, Brian Kelly just signed such and such bills into law. One time we found out, um, the press, the, the press release from the governor's office was Ruth Johnson just signed a bill into law. The secretary of state, who is number three in the in the uh, in the chain of command. So at that time, Callie and Snyder were both out of the state. Again, none were ever um, um, uh, disclosed in advance. And um, so I, there's just a little bit of a continuity of government issue. And then uh, the legislature just the Senate just passed a bill um, saying that the, that the uh, lieutenant governor has to inform the gov- the uh, legislative leaders anytime the governor's out of the, out of the state. This is in response to all of this. Um, surely this thing will pass the House, and surely Gretchen Whitmer will veto it. Um, but uh, uh, but I, but it it sort of misses the 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 point. The overarching point is that. The public does have a right to know when the governor is, is leaving. And also, as I made from the start of this, of this story, the point I kind of made from the start is, is why is this a story? Well, they say that she went to West Palm Beach. Or, I mean, initially, they wouldn't even say where. She, initially, they wouldn't even say that she was in Florida. Um, I mean, it's a pretty big um, peninsula. Uh, and and, the, and it's good to say we went to Florida. And... But but they wouldn't even say that, um, and and but no one was gonna. But everyone can do do a quick quick search and find Richard Whitmer owns a condo in West Palm Beach, and if he was in in ailing condition, there was it was highly unlikely that that Dick Whitmer got in a plane and flew to New Orleans and met uh, met his daughter and you know and, and you know, on Bourbon Street. I mean that doesn't make that make make any sense at all. So they this is weird that they wouldn't just say. That that she went to West Palm Beach, and I think it was because they didn't want people to start finding the planes that left Lansing. They went straight to West Palm Beach. It didn't take that long. It, it was pretty quick, um, and so they, they they did these kind of like stalls along the way, and every time it just was an extra story. And again, back to like Zach Gorchow's comic uh, column, he was he was like. The governor kind of came out and made a statement in 30 seconds, and and most of us would have probably not have hardly lifted a you know uh, one keystroke over the whole thing. Oh, um, to, oh, I see. To his point, you know, the example of if they had come out right at the beginning, before anyone even knew about it, and said, "Here's what I did." I agree, that would be ideal. That would have been effective. Agree with all the conclusions. It would have blown over six people on Twitter with you know MAGA hats and their profile would have been mad maybe, and then it's it's over. It's whatever. 
but I can at least understand maybe you don't broadcast something that could be misconstrued or misused by your political enemies. I can kind of get that. If I'm not advocating it, kind of get it. But once the story's out, once Charlie LaDuff's publishing details, at that point, you're in that. It's uh, game over. You're in that <laughs> the Jonathan Ber- L. Bernstein basket where, okay, you are now in a crisis. It's a, it's a little itty bitty one, but this is clearly going to mushroom because once that story is out, you said it, all those questions are going to be asked. There's a lot of business people, restaurant owners, salon owners, a lot of people in this state that are mad at this governor. And, and not to mention, even the objective journalists that, from a news standpoint, are going to be diving into this, understandably so. Once that story breaks that a flight did, in fact, occur, but we don't know who paid for it. We don't know who was on the plane. We don't know any other details. We don't know how long it was. Yeah, I mean, you're, you were right to correct me. It was actually three nights, four days. I said so it was under 96 hours, I believe, <laughs> over 72. But everything about it should have come out because you know it's going to come out anyway. Because yeah. there's no way this this is this is bloody red meat in the water. This is just the, the most appetizing thing in the world to any fair-minded objective journalist. You, any conservative, the GOP is is going nuts over this and using it as ammunition. Which is why I said in the open, this is a silver platter. Here, here, run against me when I'm up for re-election. Use this. They've already. I don't know if it's run yet. Paid for a thirty-second ad attacking this very thing. And it's a legitimate issue. It's not a partisan thing. I, again, I voted for Whitmer. Voted for Biden. Not a right-wing uh, nut. Didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I, like, not a right-wing nut. This is a problem if you're fair, if you're objective about any of this. And, and you know, the other component of this, you know, we talked a little bit about the hypocrisy, but I, I want to, again, address this nonsense because it's come up not just in this context, but multiple contexts with this governor and the team around her. The, the death threats and, and the concern, the ongoing security concerns. It was a terrible thing that happened, but again, completely irrelevant to this a month after the fact. And look, I can't think of a bigger example. Most of us were still alive and can remember, uh, or were alive and can remember what happened on 9-11. You can go watch the 9-11 reports now. Uh, just YouTube it. George Bush is obviously, we find out later, told at a school reading a book and there's a, a five, six hour, maybe seven hour gap where they're saying on the news, you can look it up. We don't know where he is. We're probably he's flying around the country in Air Force One. Obviously, for, for very obvious reasons, we're under attack. We don't know what's going on. We're not going to disclose his location. Totally get it. That makes sense. That is an ongoing situation that's very violent. That's a lot worse than anything that happened to Whitmer. Whitmer's was a foiled pot by a bunch of rednecks. This was the buildings are coming down in this case. Thousands are dead already in this case. And even in this much worse case, we knew where George W. Bush was eight hours after the event. He was in our living room, sitting in his office, talking to you. So if on 9-11, the president of the United States in the worst terrorist attack ever on U.S. soil can disclose his location with an ongoing, we still don't know if there's going to be a plane the next day. This is still an ongoing, we don't know what's going on. If, if we can know where he is, if he can be on ground zero, standing with a megaphone, with his arm around a firefighter, two days later, we can certainly know about Gretchen Whitmer going to take care of her dad six weeks ago. And to use a foiled plot by a bunch of rednecks that are in prison right now as some sort of Teflon is 
the most disingenuous thing I think I could possibly imagine. I, it just, I keep coming back to that. The, the pay stubs, all these issues that are there. I get it. I agree. But this, this security blanket, they have just failed to own this from day one. Like, I, I'm curious, do you, do, is this story nearing its end? Because it seems like the drip, 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 it just keeps, things keep coming out. Obviously, you don't know what you don't know. But like, do you think she kind of skates this, has it, takes it on the chin for a few months? Or do you think this is going to continue to mushroom? Because every time I think it's dead, fast forward five days, here we are again with some new piece of information that's damning. Um, no, I think the Secretary of State has got to weigh in here and and say whether this is an appropriate use of campaign funds. I don't think that's I don't think that has been settled yet completely. That you can you can use campaign funds. You usually you can do it for some type of incidental travel, but again, this isn't official travel. This wasn't even political travel. It wasn't supposed to be. That was one of my first questions was, okay, the governor says that they, they say that all she did was, was leave the state and go um, to, uh, to Florida. And once they finally said they went to Florida. Well, but that's what they, where, where else? I mean, she says she just went straight to, to, to dad's condo and was there and cooked and cleaned all weekend and tended to her father. Okay, that's what they say, but um, you know, I'm I'm in the um, uh, trust but verify business, and and we want to sort of verify that um, because what what we found out from all this was it was hard to verify any of this. Uh, what I mean when they initially said that you know she was out of state, but they wouldn't say where. Again, um, if if it had come out that the governor also slipped in a fundraiser in West Palm Beach while she was in town. Well, that there would have been holy hell to pay, uh, you know, on top of that. And, and that would have that and that might have been a legitimate use of the campaign fund. Um, and, and so I think that there's still an open question about whether this is the right slush fund um, uh, to, to you to utilize. And, and, and I don't think that's that's kind totally, uh, totally a, a case solved yet. I think the defenders of this, and I think they're in the minority. Again, I, I don't even have any liberal friends that are like defending this, but just seeing social media, uh, some of the political figures that are defending this are basically saying, like, look, it's the GOP and a bunch of hit job reporters making much ado about nothing. If it were your dad, you would go see her too. By the way, a lot of people haven't been able to see their dad because of this governor's orders, ironically <laughs> enough. But it's much ado about nothing. But my answer to that is, even if you think this isn't as bad as it looks in terms of the corruption or the payment or it was an honest error, what's indisputable is the timeline that we were given multiple times across different days from multiple different people. Flat wrong. The compensation, the nature of it. Flat wrong. The fact that she followed all the COVID guidelines. That she did. Flat wrong. It goes on and on. The daughters, hey, I flew and I paid for my single ticket. No uh, revelation of the daughters being on. That came out later. So it's just, you can say this was much ado about nothing, but it's an objective, demonstrable fact, and we laid it out, that there's like five blatant lies in this timeline. And, and not slip of the tongue. Like, here's our official line. Here's our spokesperson. I'm coming on the next day and saying the same thing. Two days or less. And then she has the nerve to say, I'm done talking about it. It was two days or less, quick trip. I'm done talking about it. We'll get to some of those gems later. But it's just, I don't think there's a way to spin this. I mean, you know, you cover this for a living. You've dealt with some real characters, Todd Corser, uh, chief among them. And I'm not comparing anybody in the Whitmer camp to, to that guy. But you've dealt with some characters. You've dealt with some scandals. You've covered them. You've been deep in them. 
there's no way to spin this, right? I mean, at some point, they just have to, at best, take it on the chin and move forward because there's no good outcome for them. No, and, and in fact, the Republican Governors Association went up with their first TV ad about a week ago um, featuring um, a, a woman talking about how she couldn't go see her dad while he died in a hospital or in a nursing home, rather, uh, during the uh, the ban on, on visiting in nursing homes. And so, um, and that was my, that was the first thing that came to my mind when I saw, when I heard this story was, okay, yes, Gretchen Whitmer has every right to go see her dad. But um, there are people out there who say Gretchen Whitmer kept me from seeing my dying dad. And, and sure enough, it didn't take the Republicans, but a couple of weeks to find someone, go on camera, cut an ad and put it on, on television. And you can guarantee that this is, that, that's going to be, that, that can be replicated. There are hundreds of people out there who, who, who sat, you know, in the parking lot while mom and dad died. You know what I do um, for a living? Too. Yes. I know what you do for a living. They so didn't need a couple of weeks. They could have called me on the first day. I would have, I would have given them 50 names because guess what? I was on a list of about three people that had to call these families and tell them they couldn't come in. So I, yeah. I could have given, they didn't need a couple of weeks. They could have called me. I would have given them a list of people very willing to cut an ad for them, but sorry, go ahead. No, but I mean, but that, that could be replicated over and over. And, and that's this. And, 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 and I, I think the, uh, the, I think the governor's office has underappreciated um, how uh, at times, even though uh, the COVID policies were meant to save lives, and, and there, are, there are some pretty good evidence that, that, that some of the initial shutdown and the second wave shutdown did. It did mitigate the spread of, of the virus. I think they've underappreciated how the, uh, the regulating of everything in people's lives and the, um, you know, the orders like don't travel. Uh, I mean, it was, that was effectively uh, the governor uh, having a Chris Christie moment, stay the hell off the beach, um, uh, basically. And, and so uh, when she came out and said, I'm worried about people traveling uh, to, to Florida. And so um, when she was just in Florida three weeks prior. Now, to, to just be clear, at the time of, of her, when she left, Cases were low, the, the lower, even though we were, you know, going going up. And the the um, they've they've clung to the uh, uh, the positivity rate being in the low single digits at the time. But right after that, I mean, it just started it started ricocheting up in late March, and that's where we got to that point where people they were concerned that that there was going to be massive spread of the virus uh, over spring break. Well, again, that was also while. Her best friend and chief operating officer, Trish Foster, uh, who's also a, um, a plug for your sponsor, a, a, a fellow uh, attendee at the Landshark, um, also, and then uh, and then her her health health department director, who had just whose department had ordered uh, or, or had issued a do not travel guidance, uh, and she was uh, you know in Alabama. Um, so that was you know these were some some. Some really unforced errors, a series of them, um, in a lot of, you know, ver- the, 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 um, the takeaway, um, you know, Republicans have already put this like on, on beer koozies, uh, uh, you know, Governor Whitmer, do, do as I say, not as I, as I do. And, and again, that, that expands well beyond the, the framing of this story. I mean, we're going to get into more of that, I guess, the, the general theme of hypocrisy. We talked the last time you were in, uh, what, seven, eight months ago. That if you're going to make your backbone and, and sort of your, your pillar, the science, the science, the science, your policies restricting rights better be backed by science and you better be able to explain it. Similar vein here. 
if your stance is we're going to shut it all down, we're, we're not going to travel, no seeing your, your uh, elderly parents, okay, I can agree or disagree with that. But if you're going to sell that, you better stay to it yourself. You better not go to a, a bar and restaurant and violate the orders that not only did you impose, but you have enforced. And we're going to get into that later. I'm curious, and to put a bow on the plane story, but certainly not on the topic generally, I mean, just in terms of assuming no more bombshells. I mean, obviously, some crazy out of, out of left field thing could, could come out. But let's say the worst is over. What, how do you assess the damage in terms of her ability to get reelected? Is this something that it's, we're far enough away from that campaign that, you know, maybe it doesn't completely slide off her back, but it's not going to really sting her? Or do you think she took a serious blow? Big picture in terms of her re-election chances. I honestly think that the land shark is actually more detrimental to the Whitmer re-election than the plane story. A lot more innocuous. Uh, well, but it's 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 something that more people relate to. Um, that they they wanted to get back together, uh, and and they've been restricted for a long time. And here was the governor violating her own order, um, and so. Um, long term, the plain story is is messy because uh, because because they didn't you know follow Mr. Bernstein's talk first talk early. They barely talked until until finally they had to talk. Um, and so, but how you how you uh, package that up? Um, that's not the that's not the, the 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 thing that gets packaged up into the ad. It's that lady who 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 didn't get to go see her dad. Uh, in those final or mom in those final days, and that that's an easier story for the Republicans to go out and sell, no matter who is their candidate next year. I suppose. I mean, it's the whole picture worth a thousand words thing, right? I mean, if there's no picture of it, you know, similar to the Gavin Newsom thing, where there's evidence of it, it just has a lot more resonance. Like if it just came out that uh, good sourcing said that she was at a bar with thirteen people or whatever, I, I just don't think it has the same effect. Uh, I, I agree. That, that picture was was worth a thousand words. Uh, so. Yeah, I agree. But just for the record, that is like not that big of a deal to me. It's bad. I think it's wrong. I think the optics are worse than the action. Like the optics of the plane thing and the actions and just every flub along the way. Like just to me, I can't speak. You know, you're you're speaking for sort of the you're answering the question. Like the what's going to resonate? You're probably right. But for me, I mean, it's. I could easily forgive the land shark thing. I not so easily forgive six different lies to me across two months. And, and, and it really, this uh, transition to this, it, it goes with the theme of their communications generally. And it, it's certainly in line here. I, I'm curious because again, this is, this is your bread and butter. This is what you do. You go to press conferences, you call people up and interview them. Sometimes they yell at you like Todd Corser. You've dealt with a lot of these people. So you have a different sort of frame of reference and a different baseline for what's normal, what's kind of standard. I know politicians can be testy, but I sense from following politics over the years that this administration has a particularly big problem with sort of a, like a smug, uh, above questioning nature. Like it's just, they're, they're put off by the fact that they're even put to or held to account on any of this stuff. I mean, we pulled some examples. This is another one of those, by the way. I originally had nine, and I made it four because I wanted Chad to talk more than me tonight. So let's throw those up. I mean, this is just four examples. It's, it could go on and on. So this is from Governor Gretchen Whitmer herself, April 2021, in response to her critics regarding the plane. Now, again, this is before more and more details have come out. It's just bits and pieces. 
Quote, the criticism is maddening. A lot of my critics would accuse me of not having family values if I didn't fly to Florida when a family member needed some help. So, okay, it's, it, it's the critic's fault. It's the critic's fault that she fly didn't tell anybody. The critic's fault that she didn't give the timeline right. It's the critic's fault that she didn't disclose how it was paid for. The critic's fault that she violated her own department's guidelines regarding COVID uh, protocol. I, it, if your response to your critics have things to say is, they're mean. They would be yelling at me if I didn't go visit my dad. No, I don't think they have any problem with you following your own rules. I what do you mean? Politicians are hypocrites. I don't. I think they have a bigger issue with what you did uh, than what you didn't do. So anyway, moving on. Number two. Number two of four could have been a hundred. Again, let's stick with the governor Gretchen Whitmer, May seventh, a couple of weeks ago. About a month, a little over a month ago now. I've said everything I'm going to say about my trip. It was a quick trip. I've got nothing to add. Again, this is before the timeline was revealed that it was essentially four days. I mean, three nights, four days instead of two. Dismissive. She said everything she's going to say. Why are you asking me this stuff? It just, the tone is so bad. Hey, let's, let's move on. Move on to Joanne Hall, the aforementioned chief of staff for Governor Gretchen Whitmer, May 14th, 2021. This, is, this begrudging tone is just terrible. Quote, we decided to reveal details about the flight because I wanted you to have the fact, but we fully expect Republican Party officials will continue to make political attacks against the governor and her family. So they're asking her, by the way, for the context, hey, why are you telling us this now? This is May 14th. This flight was two months ago, a little over two months ago. Why are we finding out now? And this was her response was, oh, we're telling you now because we wanted you to have all the facts. That's not what this was. This was. And the whole, you know, I wanted you to know what was really going on here, but I know the Republicans, the nasty Republicans are going to still attack her and her family. It's like, come down off the cross, Joanne. Like, come on down off the cross. It'll be okay. Like, this, this playing the victim thing, like, get out of here. Get out of here with that. No one's buying it. I don't know anyone buying that. Let's move on. Number four. We'll put a bow on this one. This is, this is. Moving a little bit uh, back uh, into time, one of my other favorite stories. So this is Richard Whitmer famously gets outed. This is uh, not Richard Whitmer, sorry, uh, Mark Mallory gets famously outed. Governor's husband uh, for trying to get his boat in the water early when every all you know, these lockdowns are going on with Memorial Day. Nobody else can get their boat in the water. So this is this is the response from Tiffany Brown, spokeswoman for Governor Gretchen Whitmer last year, when pressed on this boat story before it was revealed to be true. Quote. We aren't going to address every rumor that is spread online. There's been a lot of wild misinformation <laughs> spreading online and attacking the governor and her family. So, you know, the story comes out, it's going kind of all over social media and the internet. And Tiffany Brown has asked about this and says, oh, there's a lot of misinformation going on, mean attacks against the governor and her family, presumably the husband here. Misinformation. She called it through implication, if not explicitly, misinformation. Which is pretty funny because Governor Gretchen Whitmer, the next day, the next day, admitted the, quote, wild mis misinformation and rumors about her husband, Mark Mallory, and the boat were true. That's her spokesperson getting pressed about this stuff as the smoking gun is starting to, to filter through the sky. And says it's misinformation and it's a malicious attack on the governor and her family. 
didn't take 24 hours for the governor to have to march back out there and say, actually, it is true, but it was a joke. I mean, again, even if it was a joke and a bad one, a tone deaf one, your spokesperson just effectively denied it the day before. Whitmer said, my husband regrets it. I wish it wouldn't have happened, and that's all we have to really say about it. Again, how many times is is Gretchen Whitmer going to say, I'm done talking about this. I'm not going to say anymore. This is the transparent governor. This is the one that had a lot to say about Rick Snyder being shady. Tell us what really happened in Flint, Governor Snyder. That's who we're talking about. These stories keep breaking up, and like she goes before the press after her staff lied about it the day before. Lied about the timeline of the flight. Lied about the, the boat thing just being a rumor and misinformation. It's a, this is not like an isolated incident. Staff goes out there and denies something or says this was what happened. The governor has to go out there 24, 48 hours later and say, oh, actually, that was wrong. Here's what actually happened. But that's it. No more questions. No, no, no comment. Can't do that. You just got caught red-handed. So it's just like, it, I, I, I'm just curious. You deal with this. If these uh, communications are how they handle things, I, I find them smug and condescending. I, I find them strategically ineffective. Relative to what you've seen, I mean, is this, is this administration got a, a unique issue with communication? Because that's, I don't know how else to interpret it. I, I've seen some bad politicians and some bad communicators. This is like a constant uh, hamster wheel. Where do you stand on this? I think this administration has been uh, living in, in, a, in a very unprecedented time. Uh, of, of this upheaval of the of the pandemic, um, and I think this the plane incident uh, underscores um, just how uh, worn down some people are in the administration. Uh, that they've they've gotten so entrenched, uh, they feel like everybody's out to get them. Uh, the media, Mike Shirky, uh, the, the Republicans, and you know, in, in some regard. Mike Shirky is out to get him. I mean, and uh, and and has has made that pretty clear. Um, but 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 some of this stuff is just kind of governing one on one at times, and then you have to just kind of wonder why why are they going for all this this sort of painstaking effort to obfuscate things. And um, and, and the other thing about um, comms shops and governor's office is that. Um, sometimes they don't have the whole story. Um, and what we found out from the boat incident last year was one of the aides to the governor um, uh, had basically waved off a Republican senator, um, um, uh, one, of his legis- one of her legislative staff, uh, got a Republican senator to basically kind of dr- um, drop his Facebook post. He had ranted about this on Facebook, and, he got, and she got him to, to take it down. Uh, well, it turned out she didn't even have the whole story herself. She hadn't gotten the information from the governor or someone who disseminates information from the governor. And we don't really know how that works in this in this governor's office. It's different in every administration. I don't know exactly who the the the, the chain of gatekeeping on, on these kind of things is. But in that case, um, yeah, it just had not gotten relayed down the chain of command that Yes, actually, Mark Mallory was <laughs> up north, and he did make this phone call. And and whether it was was in jest or not, um, you know, it, it, it this uh, this aide didn't didn't get the, get the memo basically, and it was it was it was over Memorial Day weekend. It was it was fast moving things. 
She had just done another Friday news dump that Friday where they had announced that the extension of the stay at home order by another week or two, or I think it was two weeks. Uh, they, they dumped that thing at about 5.14 p.m. on a, on a Friday of Memorial Day. Um, and so, um, the, you know, I think that was coming off of like a two-month grueling time and where people are just tired. Uh, and when they're working in these, uh, you know, working in the governor's office and they're kind of grinding away at a, at a crisis, um, you know, mistakes get made. And I think that that's, that's been showing up. The other thing that I um, have sensed from the plane story as well uh, and other things going on with the governor's office is um, I think work from home is really starting to take a, ta- take a toll on, on, on the team there. Um, there is a difference between sitting in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in anybody who works in a, in a kind of corporate office or you know, high accountability uh, executive office knows there's a difference between sitting at the table with the principal <clears throat> being the governor here or some CEO of the company, whether it's Mary Barra GM or, or, or um, um, uh, someone else at, at, at another company, uh, you know, Jerry Norcia DT or something. There's a difference between sitting in that room with them and them saying, hey, you need to do this or you need to, to, be, to be in this the place or I want this, you know. That you know, not not Gretchen Wimber doesn't pound her fist on on the table, but you know what I'm saying. Versus being on Zoom, um, and just kind of calling in for the nine o'clock, and yeah, yeah, you know, we're not going to take questions on that. We're, you know, we're we're just gonna we're just gonna give this little answer to Live and Good, and this little answer to Greg Mogger, the Detroit News, and you know this yada yada yada. Basically, we're just gonna basically try to try to let this thing dissipate. You know. There's a there's a difference between saying that uh, while you're sitting in, in back at home, uh, still in uh, in closed doors, and being right in front of each other and holding each other accountable. And I think that that has probably um, uh, infiltrated this governor's office a little bit uh, and creeped into um, you know who is you know who is really kind of commanding the ship every day. When the ship is not together every day, and I don't even know if they're back, to be honest, I'm not sure if they're back together every day now yet or not. Uh, a lot of offices are. We were about two weeks into the reopening of offices. There's no reason why they couldn't be. Um, but this is, I've heard this from multiple people uh, um, in around the, the administration, that this is a, this is a known problem. And, and compare it to the legislature, where uh, Mike Shirky never let his staff or main staff uh, work remotely, uh, never let the legislature work remotely. They, I mean, and, and, and at times that seemed kind of stubborn and, and not and ill-advised, um, especially with maskless senators, you know, and such. But uh, and we had some outbreaks, and several senators got sick, and we had one and representatives got sick, and one representative died uh, uh, in, in office last year, uh, Isaac Robinson. So, um, but there's a there's sort of difference, like one branch of government continue to meet in person all the time. And, and, and then this other branch of government has remained in sort of lockdown for a very extended period of time. And I think it started to kind of get to them a little bit this spring where they're just not, there's no accountability, uh, within those ranks right now. I, two points. I mean, you, and everything you said is true. I acknowledge, you know, when you were here last time we talked about, look, Everybody's graded on a curve here. Every governor, every mayor, certainly the president and the, the president before him, everyone's graded on a curve because it is a difficult situation, especially last year. I and mean, we're talking about passing the boat incident. 
But I, I understand that is a valid excuse to not get things right. That is a valid excuse to make mistakes. It is not a valid excuse to lie. And some of these things have been lies. I don't know how else to characterize them. You want to you talk about the aide that had the state senator pull it down. She didn't have the information. Granted, I mean, I, I'll take your word. I didn't know that. I knew about the story, and he was very mad that he was told to take it down after the yeah, fact. Tom I, Barrett, yeah. I don't know what the, yeah, thank you, what the aide knew or didn't know. But what I do know is that if the spokesperson, the spokeswoman for the governor is saying that this is a wild misinformation rumor, she's not saying that without having spoken to the governor. The spokesperson, spokeswoman, spokesman, whatever, is speaking, is the extension, the, the, uh, like a whim, basically, of the elected official. She's not going rogue. You don't think she had that conversation with her boss about how we're going to address this? So to call it, she's asked, uh, oh, you know, you can always couch it. We just said there's a lot of rumors and wild misinformation. She was asked about the boat incident. Her response was, it's a rumor, wild misinformation that's meant to hurt the governor and her family. So I, I just, I don't buy, oh, they're under a lot of stress. It's okay to lie. Because that, that, that's a lie. It's a lie to say that you were there two days or less in Florida. I don't care how stressed you are. A lot of people are under stress. A lot of people are going through a lot of stuff right now. And guess what you did? You find them. They're finding these people. And we'll, we'll get to that. But it's like but these, these companies that are like dying, hanging on by a thread, they're finding them thousands of dollars. So if the citizen is not allowed to get away with this stuff without monetary penalty, I'm certainly not going to let you off the hook. And, you know, I get we're all human. Elected officials, leaders are human, too. But I'm sorry. You, you ran on leadership like any, any governor, any president, any high uh, holding office person has done. You got to be above that. I, not above mistakes, but you got to be above some of the bumblings we've seen. And it's just the, the hypocrisy, Chad is where I, I want to transition to. And, and we've hit on it in spurts. I just, beginning with this aforementioned land shark outing from May, I, I just, let's, Ben, can you throw the photo up for the four people that haven't seen it? This, this is, this is Gretchen Whitmer. I think she was one of 13, right, Chad? Is that accurate? Right. At our good friends at the land shark. By the way, like really was my spot <laughs> during my Michigan State days. It's a great place. And, you know, their ownership group, great guys. But it, just this picture, you said, worth a thousand words, 13 people in attendance. And for the record, Gretchen Whitmer's own health department's order limits these types of gatherings to six persons or fewer. So this is the kind of thing that really rubs people the wrong way. We talked about the fines. So we're going to go through some of them. Again, more than uh, worth throwing up. We had the pair all these hypocrisies, all these issues way down. They fit this into a, the show we're doing. But just some of the businesses find for violating these types of orders. And again, this isn't Walmart. A lot of these are mom and pop shops or smaller chains. These are Michigan businesses fined for violating Governor Whitmer's orders, not an all-inclusive list, just a sampling. Cops and donuts in Bay City, a donut shop. Find $1,500 for not maintaining six feet of social distancing. Now, that's interesting. Considering that land shark photo uh, had a bunch of people piled on top of each other in excess of uh, six people. They were a lot closer than six feet. Cloverleaf gas station in Southfield. Find $2,100 for, among other smaller things, not maintaining six feet of social distancing. There it is again. Merlot Construction Company in Milford. Find 
5,600 hours for not enforcing the wearing a face mask. By the way, outdoor construction site, whatever you want to make of that. Medco Truck Company in Romulus. Truck Company, a little local truck company. Find 400 hours for not properly cleaning frequently touched surfaces. They, they didn't wipe it down. They didn't wipe down the desk often enough. They got fined 400 hours. All under the same, the same umbrella. Brandon Martinez Company. Other guy. His name is Brandon Martinez. He, he said, I'm going to start a little construction company in Grand Rapids. So the name of the company is the Brandon Martinez Co. in Grand Rapids. Fined $2,100. For there it is again. Not enforcing face masks amongst his staff. A small sampling. The optics are obvious. You're finding these businesses that are already in many cases, hanging on by a thread, and you're uh, not even hiding it, posing for a picture. She's posing for a picture. If it were like the back of her head and she was trying to be a covert, which is interesting, you're the governor in Lansing or East Lansing, maybe it's like a 5% less bad, but it, it's just the, the smiling and, hi, guys, here I am. I just, the hypocrisy of this administration it, you, you can run down the list, Chad, and I'm going to throw it to you, but just some of these. Nobody can gather in large groups or you'll be fined, but I'm having a high school reunion practically at the Landshark. Nobody can travel to Florida, but myself and half my can that are going to Florida. You can't see your elderly father in a nursing home, but I'll take a private jet at a 93% discount to visit mine. You aren't allowed to visit anyone outside of your household, but I'll attend a unity march with thousands of people marching for George Floyd and hold hands with complete strangers. You can't visit your brother. Don't go boating on Memorial Day. But by the way, I want my boat in the water first. I, I just, am I crazy? They're all hypocritical politicians. I get that. But even on the politician curve, we talked about what I think is their particular issue with the nature of their communication. I think they have a particular issue with hypocrisy and not even well-concealed hypocrisy, open posing for a picture, not, not someone sneaking one at their pocket. Hey, pose it. Tag me on Facebook. It, it's just, I, I think they're uniquely toned up. Where do you stand on this? I mean, I said earlier that, that the, um, uh, the land shark to me seems more damning, uh, particularly because there's a photo, uh, but more damning and more, more likely to stick longer as far as an issue that, that people can kind of, the Republicans can kind of, pin on on governor Whitmer that of the this pin this hypocrisy uh, label on uh whereas the the plain story is you know a lot a lot of complications a lot of twists and turns and and a lot of uh you know jarring a aspects of it this one is just just so easy to tell uh, that the governor uh for months restricted people to no long, no ha not having more than six people at a table people couldn't have birthday parties people couldn't have business meetings uh um, you know, um, people like, like Senator Majority Leader Mike Shirky once posted a photo where he took his entire family, like a couple dozen people down to Indiana to have, have a dinner, um, all at one table. Um, and he posted on Facebook basically to try to sort of, uh, this was months before the governor went and just had, you know, had a bunch of cocktails, uh, at, <laughs> at the Landshark. And so, um, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it just, uh, you know, really does, uh, you know, make an easy a hit on the governor. Uh, and, um, and it's really just sort of breathtaking that, that she would even just get herself in this situation. Um, and, 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 and then, 
And not only that, but like one of the friends um, from the old gang uh, in East Lansing would uh, just just post it on Facebook like that night. And I, you know, I kind of made this comment uh, on another program that uh, Mers picked up as quote of the day that uh, you can take uh, the girl out of East Lansing, but you can't take East Lansing out of the girl. I'll back up that. I mean, here's the thing. I allow anybody, again, we're all human. No one's perfect. Even the finest, most cautious politician, the most careful, calculated politician is going to trip up from time to time. Sure. Yeah. You can't be Maggie Simpson. You can't trip every two feet. Yeah. This, this is, any of this is a one-off, the, the plane thing maybe could stand alone as a, a major issue. But any of these things like in a vacuum, okay, whatever. No one's perfect. But again, we, we haven't, Unity March, George Floyd, who in the face, I mean, Whatever you think of the protests, I think what happened to George Floyd, I think 99% of people agree was abhorrent. But it is. Yeah, but they, she was masked when, when they were doing that. Was, was it a gathering that violated her own No, you can, you can, you can, uh, the, the governor's regulations never restricted anything that where you were exercising your First Amendment right uh, or any kind of constitutional right. So people have a constitutional right for, on the First Amendment to assemble and peacefully protest. And the governor did that. Now, I mean, it's funny, like we, we um, it's sort of funny, actually, that you pulled up the, uh, the incident where the, uh, one of the um, companies that got fined was a gas station, um, uh, or no, excuse me, the truck company that, that didn't properly wipe things down. Well, we've learned from the science that, that COVID doesn't spread on gas handles, even though the governor said that for like a month straight every day. Um, it actually doesn't spread on, 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 uh, as easily on these kind of surfaces. But yeah, we went out and made like companies, like construction companies, uh, go get a bunch of Clorox wipes and wipe down, uh, you know, frequently used uh, tools. You know, it's so, like the the, the uh, construction company that's doing uh, framing has to wipe down their their air gun because it gets shared between three guys, you know, on a, on a construction site. I mean, um, and now we've this sort of you know come that this uh, the science has come around that. This, that was a little over precautious. Uh, and, um, and certainly the people who were, were Cloroxing their, their groceries were really well, well overboard. But, um, but so, like, it's funny now looking at it a little bit that we, we went through all this effort to try to, try to you know, and we sent, the, sent in the uh, MIOSHA, which is uh, the, the agency that uh, uh, regulates such things. And people, you know, business, small business people in particular really loathe MIOSHA. <laughs> and so they, you know, they sort of use MIOSHA as, as a weapon at times um, to go after people and, and to try to make examples. And then they put these press releases out and, you know, we, we got cops and donuts. We, we got him. I mean, a, and that was, that was a, and I'll be honest, I wrote, I wrote a headline, you know, like something that was catchy about cops and donuts, uh, nabbed at, uh, you know, for, for, for COVID violations. Yeah, you have to take it was an easy one, but, um, but it, you know, uh, they did that. And then we find out from basically from social media, from Facebook. And it was just, it was just really amazing given the scrutiny the governor was facing over the plane that, um, that she would subject herself to that kind of, of, uh, of potential instant criticism or not really, um, be so conscious of her own orders. Uh, and then, yeah, I should clarify it is that that order wasn't hers in particular. It was, it was, it was Elizabeth Hertel, the health director, but, but by extension it is the governor's orders. It's her administration. The buck stops with her. 
And this rule of no more than six people at a table has been in place since the uh, the the um, the second lockdown ended in in February. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not only an extension of her because the buck stops with her. I mean, it's one thing to say, uh, you know, I, I'm an owner of my company and the buck stops with me if someone does something nefarious under me. That's that's one thing. This isn't even a buck stops with me. She's getting in front of the cameras and, and rubber stamping and supporting all of these. So it's a, another level beyond, oh, buck stops with me. Sure. You know, I don't agree with it, but buck stops with me. I'm the leader. It's worse than that. It's flagrant hypocrisy. And I just say, you said it best. You should have your guard so up at this point if you're, you're getting lambasted in the media, or justifiably so for this plane fiasco. And with that backdrop, this is what you do. You're going out to a bar for a social outing. And even, you know, we talked about when she gets busted on the stuff, her response to this was, I thought, very lame. I mean, her, her, what was her quote? Her quote was, uh, pretty close paraphrase, I shouldn't have done it. Uh, I'm human. I'm sorry. And then that was it. I mean, it's just, I, I guess kudos for apologizing, but everything is like, here's your two to three sentences on this and we're moving on. And it's, you know, you don't really get to set that. And again, you can talk about 400 hour fine being silly for the services, which I agree, whether it's hindsight or foresight, however you want to call it. But whatever the justification for that in a vacuum, it makes no sense that you're not going to be, again, you're clean as the driven snow. If you're going to be the one pushing all this stuff, she's been by most accounts. I mean, either her or Gavin Newsom, the most restrictive, Cuomo certainly do, most restrictive governor in the union. So you can't have this stuff. And I'll even give you one. I'll maybe even give you two. You can't have three, four, five stories of flagrant hypocrisy. Can't have a boat. Can't have a flight to Florida. Can't have a, we can disagree on the, the protests. I don't, I don't know why COVID cares about the First Amendment. I could argue it's a legal search and seizure for them to come into my business and find me for a ridiculous, not based on anything scientific uh, violation, and, and then not refund it when it turns out it had no merit. Is that not a Fourth Amendment issue? I mean, you could do that all day. I think a number of constitutional issues have been at play, but I, I just, you better, you better have your, your ducks in order. I just, it makes me question, it goes back to the intro, it makes me question if you can't get this basic stuff right. Don't go to a bar. Don't do it. Don't go to a bar. Don't lie about something that you know everyone's going to find out about anyway. I, I just, it, it, to me, as someone that voted for, that went beyond, it wasn't plugging my nose. I was enthusiastic. I was an enthusiastic Whitmer voter. My confidence is shaken. I, 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 don't, I, I don't say I can vote for her again. And I, I just think there has been irreparable damage. I just moving on from this for her, I, I don't know how she handles it, but she has to change something, right? Because this has been a pattern. I mean, she has to change something because she's going to walk herself right out, out the door of the governor's office. I mean, we're kind of entering that the point in administration where you start um, figuring out, uh, you, know, you know, re-election campaign uh, plans, who's going to run the campaign, who's going to leave the governor's office and go over and do that. Um, and is this a time to bring in a, a new crew at the top, essentially? That, that happens in all administrations. And so this this might be the time that the governor decides that it's time to to uh, shake things up a little bit. Um, and and but, you know, also, that's not that's easier said than done. Um, there's not a, a huge bench out there, uh, particularly in the Democrats uh, circles uh, for. 
um, top aides uh, to to run those type of type of gigs. So that's not um, always the most desired job anymore in Lansing, um, particularly when you're still up against a Republican-controlled legislature. I mean, one it'd be one thing if if the governor had one or two of the houses of the legislature. Uh, in her in her column, that would be a more attractive job uh, for someone to come in and, and help her, whether at whatever level, the policy level, legislative level, uh, or the top management. Um, so, you know, we might see some changes there um, in the next uh, three to four months, possibly. Um, but um, if we don't, I think there will be a lot of people in Lansing that are kind of questioning, you know, the governor's judgment and. Uh, and uh, and leadership, and but the other thing is, all of this is kind of a distraction from what is like a huge task in front of the governor right now, and and that is how to spend ten billion dollars or more of one-time federal stimulus money and additional one-time um, increases in tax revenue that's been kind of uh, brought on by uh, federal stimulus checks and such. And this is this is a huge issue uh, that um, the governor uh, has to, has to spend a lot of time on in order to try to get uh, passed this this summer. There's a whole lot of different array of options, infrastructure, and repairing dams, and repair and repairing bridges, and and maybe investing new money in childcare, and and doing a lot of things that you would never have the opportunity for. I mean, ten billion dollars. Is is uh, is one year's general fund, which <laughs> is about eleven billion now. But um, but but that that's a huge amount of money in Lansing, and so um, all these kind of stories about you know the governor's plane and the governor's you know, trip to the land shark kind of distract from you know how is the governor and the legislature going to get together and do a deal on 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 spending this uh, this significant amount of money. Well, and that's kind of my point too. Really, is and you nailed it. They do have much bigger fish to fry. They're blowing the easy ones. I mean, if she can't with forget Florida, just in a vacuum, can't figure out why it might be a problem to go with a baker's dozen worth of people to a bar, a college bar, and pose for a picture. How am I supposed to trust that she'll figure out ten billion dollars in spending? I mean, that's kind of the point. I agree. Yeah, I there's that. a lot. There's a lot more important stuff than this. You're not getting the small stuff right. So that is, that's where my vote of no confidence sort of comes from. I, I, I just, how am I supposed to trust someone that can't do the basics right? And I, I just, I don't know how she gets this wrong. I, I don't know the nature of her entire team and you know, what they think. I, you know, I, the buck does stop with the governor, but are, are all 12 of them or however many it is uh, making the same mistake? I mean, I don't know. I know you're not in the room or in the Zoom, but like, their their problems obviously fucked up with her, but I just I can't picture twelve people on the Zoom call saying, "Hey, how are we going to answer this plain timeline?" And then twelve people settling on. I mean, I know it's her decision in the end, but twelve people saying, "Yeah, yeah, let, let's lie about it. Let, let's cut it short." The time doesn't even really matter at that point. It's not even like an effective strategic yeah. lie. Who cares if it was two, three, or four days? I just I don't like. I don't know how much to attribute blame to like the entire, like her, her spokesperson or how much, if it's all her, if she's telling them the lie, but I, I, I mean, I, I don't even like to use the term lie, but I don't know how else to characterize it. I, I just, I, I don't know if I were her, I, I would, I would have to really think about my messaging because it's been poor messaging. 
Yeah, I just would make a point that there is a difference between lying and just telling and not being forthright. <laughs> oh, well, she's um, done both. Uh, How would you characterize the? Well, definitely the definitely the days was definitely a lie. I mean, that, that was uh, I don't know yeah, how right. they would have uh, um, tried to like spin that, but that's not that's not at all accurate. Um, but yeah, um, what what does this daily strategy look like? I don't know. And there's a lot of Democrats in Lansing that are scratching their head too, uh, privately complaining about this. They they trying to trying to understand what's going on, and they too are also just worried about you know they're they're messing up small things. And how we're going to get to the big things, uh, because all this kind of distraction is, is is red meat for Republicans and for for Mike Shirky. It gives them sort of ammunition and reason to try to basically delay and not do action on the big stuff, you know, that, that are that are pressing. So, you know, I guess we'll just sort of have to see how it plays out, you know, and if she can get back on on message here um, and 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 actually get some some wins. It's been a kind of a rough. 2021, you just sort of put it in context. A year ago, uh, Justin, uh, Governor Whitmer, Whitmer was being vetted for vice president. Um, and it, despite the, you know, the, the boat story, which was, uh, you know, well, a couple of day uh, embarrassment, but she actually was being vetted for vice president and, and she was in the running. I mean, Kamala Harris was the favorite. But um, but Gretchen Wimber was out there in the uh, dark horse category, just to sort of think that she went from sort of uh, vet, being vetted for Veep to you know getting just totally tripped up about uh, a plane ride to go see her dad, um, and and tend to her alien father and come back, uh, or or going out you know for a much overdue needed beer uh, with some with some from some old pals from her old neighborhood in East Lansing. Um, and, and then, and then, and then where she was standing a year ago as sort of, uh, one of the, uh, rising stars of the democratic party, you know, I mean, these, the, your star can change quickly in politics. Well, and the obfuscation and, you know, I made a couple mentions of how much I cut. I mean, we, we could do half an hour on Robert Gordon being fired, asked to resign, whatever <laughs> happened there. I just, you her know, answers I, were very similar in that case. So he, she said, yeah. "I'm not going to talk about it." It was a personnel decision, and that was another case where a a what was usually in Lansing a one or two day story stretched into legislative hearings, multiple FOIA requests, um, waiving of NDAs. I mean, it's just it was just a, a breathtaking amount of additional ink that was spilled for that story. It was completely unnecessary um, because they didn't want to say that they paid the guy $180,000 to go away. And we still don't know the full story about that, Chad. Am I wrong? I mean, maybe you know stuff that someone told you in an alley. Like, you know. Uh, <laughs> I get a lot of alley uh, qu- uh, well, tips know. anymore. You but stuff uh, that you can't go on record because you don't have it uh, verified. Um, I mean, I, 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 that's still, to me, unresolved as far as I know. What happened? I mean, Robert, the, Gordon? Robert Gordon came in and testified at a committee, which would have been, uh, you know, sort of an inconceivable, you know, any normal uh, administration. They they just didn't want to say we fired the guy. Uh, you know, we kicked him out of here. Um, he came and said they had a difference of opinion on some things. And that was pretty well known before this happened. So like, when he got fired, I was like, I was, you know, it was kind of like, well, it was about, or, or no, he got fired. When when he got um, when he abruptly resigned uh, is the more accurate uh, portrayal. Um, you know, I was sort of like, okay, that 
it's about time that that actually that actually happened because these two have not seemingly been on the same page for a while. But this is the way they did it, and you know they had him sign an order at eight o'clock in the morning, extending the lockdown or extending extending the closure of 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 uh, dining service and bars for another two weeks, uh, and. And then by two o'clock in the afternoon, the guy was tweeting that he was, that he was resigning, and that was just, that was beyond bizarre um, uh, for uh, for an exit in Lansing. Uh, the nature of it was particularly troubling because this isn't the uh, Lansing landscaper who, who's cutting the grass outside of the Capitol building. This is the chief, effectively officer of health, in the middle of a pandemic in which you are implementing myriad restrictions on people's freedoms and ability to operate and do commerce based on a health concern. So it's one thing to obfuscate or make people FOIA you to death for sort of a a less relevant uh, staff position. But I would argue that this, the public, the citizens had a uniquely elevated interest and right to know, hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic. This person is partially responsible for all these restrictions on us. You made a change here under some very odd circumstances. You have to give us something. I mean, it's like, it's the same reason why people want to know the cause of death. You know, if there's six deaths in a, in a, you know, county. Oh, is there something in the water? There's something, is there a place I shouldn't go? Is there a field I shouldn't play on? I mean, what's going on? People have a vested interest in knowing that stuff. You're in the middle of a pandemic and you make a change of the, the, the health guy, the top health guy. And don't tell anyone why, and you, I hate to use the term cover up, but you certainly obfuscate the nature of that termination and the severance that we later had revealed. I just, don't you think the public had a uniquely elevated interest in that particular termination? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And particularly when you're, when you're paying someone that kind of sum of money and you're doing it after the fact, that's what we found out about it all was, was they, there wasn't a, um, an agreement at the time of se- of severance or separation. <clears throat> they did it right. They did it after you know weeks after the fact. They signed a deal. They gave him money um, that wasn't necessarily um, needed uh, to get his to get his resignation. But they wanted to ensure he didn't turn around and sue the state. Um, that's what they did. I mean, they 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 bought. Uh, silence uh, out of that deal. And this is not uncommon in corporate America. It happens all the time. But it's usually they come in, they pull you into the conference room and say, uh, we are terminating your employment today, You or you can choose to resign. And as a result of you resigning, we are going to give you this compensation package. What actually happened here was they just said, uh, we, the governor no longer needs your services. Um, and this is your last day, uh, or please resign, basically. And they forced his resignation. And then they said, and contact this person at the AG, the Attorney General's office, to discuss a severance package, which didn't get put together until weeks after the fact. I mean, this is a this is a uh, interesting cart before the horse uh, that that you know raised a lot of eyebrows, and um, it was not unlike was not like other types of severances that have happened in state government. When someone is sort of forced out. Well, and the big issue is, you know, you, you make mention of, oh, this is very common in corporate America. Absolutely. Corporations can do whatever they want. It's two parties. Hey, I want to pay you this to not do this or to do this. They consent. No problem. 
Where's that $180,000 that Robert Gordon received coming from? I mean, you tell me, is that, that state, that's taxpayers, taxpayers money. So I don't care what Coca-Cola does. If Coca-Cola has a a belligerent employee that has information on them and they want to sign an NDA, I couldn't care less. I have no interest in that. I'm a public company. Some people do. I don't hold any shares of Coca-Cola. I don't care what private business does. No, no concern. But again, middle of a pandemic, change in the health chief. $180,000 in tax money that, by your account, and I think it seems fair, they didn't need to pay. You can't say no comment on that. You you owe some explanation. You're giving us a lot of dictation, a lot of directives, uh, under penalty of closure. I mean, they they shut down that poor barber, that like a 70-year-old barber guy. Carl the barber. Carl the barber. They they shut down Carl. Uh, If you're going to shut down Carl, you you better be transparent with with your actions. So it's like, hey... What was what was that uh, Robert Gordon uh, saying? What was he saying? Why why did you have a difference in opinion, difference in direction that you wanted to go? I you know it, it's just those questions are fair, but the issue to me, the biggest issue was the effective severance, whatever you want to call it. I would call it you know maybe I shouldn't say hush money, Chad. Can they sue me? I don't know. They got a lot of money, but it's certainly suspect. I mean that that was my issue was the hundred eighty k in tax dollars really. It's just another issue. I mean, I told you we could do half an hour. <laughs> like we were cutting this stuff down, but I'll just, I'll finish here because, you know, I, you're here late and we appreciate it, but we've looked at sort of an objective measure recently of the pendulum swinging against Gretchen Whitmer. And I can say what I want and Mike Shirky can say what he wants and the GOP party in Michigan can say whatever they want, but the objective measurements are going in the wrong direction. And we can look to September, 2020, the poll by Epic, 56% approval rating. I think you talked about this in one of your articles, but uh, 56% approval rating for the governor in September, not that long ago. March, a couple months ago, down to 49%. 7%, pretty big plunge. And that poll, by the way, does not reflect the plane. Does that happen after? Not reflect the land chart. So she was 7% in the hole over the course of a few months, six months, before the two big stories that have dinged her hard publicly. So it'll be very interesting to see where it sits now or in two months from now if that poll was taken. Just generally, that science aside, is her popularity waning, in your opinion, from people you talk to, you're plugged in with the politicians, with some pollsters? It just, it seems that it's going hard, hard in the wrong direction for her. Yeah, she just hasn't had any many wins lately. Um, I mean, you still see her out trying to, like, talk about roads. And talk about her uh, bond program or $3.5 billion bond program and how it's fixing roads. I think you'll see more of that this summer. She's going to be finding some orange barrels to stand in front of and get some pictures. uh, Because that is still the big promise uh, from the campaign to fix the damn roads. And she's going to have to have some proof I fix some damn roads, basically. I didn't fix them all. Because the legislature wouldn't give me a 45-cent increase in the gas tax, which, which was a huge ask for the governor to make right out of the, out of the, out of the gate. But, um, but she is going to be able to, to point to freeways and trunkline roads in Michigan and say, I did make a, put a dent in those things. We, did, we are making them better. Uh, and so, you know, I've, I've checked that box off uh, for, for you. But, you know, this is a natural expectation, I would think, that after you've been, you know, getting all this 
uh, national attention for Michigan in the fight for PPE, you know, going, taking it to Donald Trump uh, last year when she was going on TV and saying they're, you know, they're diverting um, shipments from Michigan and we're trying to, you know, we, we really need the federal government to actually have a coordinated response. Doing the same thing on, on, um, on, on, on the rollout of the vaccine early in the, in the or right at the end of the Trump administration, continuing it uh, as she, you know, as you might recall, we're only a few months removed from the governor making kind of a plea for more vaccine to Michigan. Now we can't even find enough arms anymore at this point to to to, to stab with it with the with the vaccine. So, um, so yeah, the governor has rode a wave at times, uh, uh, and that has been largely driven by national media exposure from her leadership in the pandemic. Well, the pandemic is 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 not totally gone away. Obviously, people are still getting COVID. People are still dying. But it's not at the rate it was, uh, and so what is the governor going to pivot to, to to get back into some kind of messaging, going appealing to those voters who, who might have um, you know you know independent voters, even some Republicans from the Oakland County uh, suburbs who, who who um uh you know shunned Bill Schuette and and voted for her. Uh, that that's kind of the uh, the big question I think has to be answered. Still, what what is it that you are running on for re-election now, and what what's your message? I, I think it's safe to say she has a lot of work to do. I mean, obviously, anybody seeking re-election does, but even on that relative scale, she's got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of damage control. Last question, we'll just kind of put it succinctly. We've talked about hypocrisies, inconsistencies, uh, obfuscation. If leading by example is a valued characteristic in a leader, has this governor been a failure as a leader? I'm not going to touch that one. Um, you know, I'll let uh, my reporting stand where it is and, and stand on its own. And, um, you know, the governor is going to have to make her own case to uh, to the voters of Michigan about whether she's been truthful and forthright with them about everything all along. And, um, you know, reporters and journalists like myself are just going to just be there to, to document it and tell you, tell you what happened and, and why it matters. You know, I kept you late and I saved that question to the end. I wanted to see if you'd let your guard down, Chad, but you never do because you're a pro. I tried to get you to admit uh, your political affiliation one way or the other last time, uh, right at the beginning, and I couldn't get you. So I tried to bury it late. But uh, Nice try. Yeah, no problem. I'll get you next time. I'm going to keep trying, Chad. I know you're, you're, you're the consummate pro. So anyway, that's all we got. I mean, this, there's an interesting reelection campaign forthcoming. I don't know what the GOP is going to do. I don't know if John James is going to just like try to run for every open seat or potentially open seat, uh, you know, in, in the state. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I don't buy that there's the right strong candidates out there now. But uh, again, that it could be a whole other show. Uh, I appreciate you coming in. Look, I take no pleasure in this topic. I was a avid, rampant, public, uh, enthusiastic Whitmer supporter. I'm, I've not been happy with what's happened. And uh, I don't think my experience and uh, sentiment is uncommon at this point. I think there's a lot of people in my boat, and that's reflected in the numbers. But, um, you know, I, I will say this. I, I think uh, there's still a, a chance for this to be recovered for her. but it's got to change. I mean, you, you said it. She's got to have some small wins quick and some, at least one big one along the way. It's been a bad few months. So that's it for the Spiro Avenue show tonight. Chad Live and Good, you know my feelings for you. I say you're, you're the number one in, in the state at what you do and uh, big fan of yours. And, uh, you know, it's, I would say to anybody, 
check out Crane, subscribe. We're actually going to do a fun little promotion based on this show. We'll be giving away a subscription to Cranes. Is anyone over there going to have an issue with that? We'll have to talk off mic. No, that's fine. We're yeah. going to be giving away a subscription to Cranes, Detroit business. Uh, short, uh, or probably tomorrow we'll get that out. It won't be a long wait. And I uh, appreciate you, Chad, for coming in. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate Spiro it. Spiro Avenue Show, Justin Spiro, Eric Williamson, set designer, sitting at home on his couch in his boxers with the Spiro Avenue mug in his hand, drinking something uh, enjoyable. Appreciate you, Eric. Ben Augusta, the great and powerful Oz on the other side of the curtain, pressing all the right buttons. I just sit here and talk. He does 98% of the work. We have our social media guy, Dylan Smith, great kid, really helping us out a lot with everything that we do. I don't know how any of this stuff works. I just sit here, talk, and they do literally everything. So I have a great team, grateful for them, and uh, always great to have Chad back. We have, like we said, our third show in five days coming up, uh, two days from now, with Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic making his debut, one of the um, sort of highest profile, I would say, sports reporters in the state. Certainly, if you look at social media following, he's in excess of 50,000 followers. So a lot more than me. Nick's a, a great guy and talented guy, and we'll be talking about a lot, senior columnist for The Athletic. So he kind of dips into a lot of pools. It's going to be fascinating. Chad, I, I thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. I know you're very busy and have a lot going on. We thank you very much.